In a world where even the smallest disagreements can lead to arguments, violence, and even death, two brothers tackle the difficult subjects. Today, in the latest episode of Brother vs. Brother, <clears throat> we're going to talk about Section 230. And this uh, specifically references Section 230 of the Telecommunications Act of 1996. And the section states, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by any other infant information content provider. And the reason why this is so important or why it's so much in the news is that this is the uh, the shield that many of the social media companies hide behind uh, when they don't want to be held responsible for what their users are posting, rightly or wrongly. Uh, that's that's the way it's being used, and it's helpful to recognize that when this law came into effect back in 1996, social media did not exist. It was not a word that we used. There was no social media companies on the internet. The reason why it came up at that time is because there were, at the time they called them bulletin boards. They were basically like chat rooms where people would get on, they'd interact with each other. And the uh, there were people that were suing some of these uh, internet providers and chat rooms uh, for what people were posting. And they, they, the internet providers and chat rooms said, we, we, we don't filter what people are saying in, on these, in these forums. We can't pay, be held responsible for that. And the uh, uh, Congress agreed. Now, the question is, does it still apply? Does it still apply in the same way that it was originally intended? Um, or should there be something different? Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think uh, um, it was interesting how you phrased that. I'm interested to know what your position is because you said that they hide behind. Um, you know, that phrasing just seemed a little bit derogatory, but I would have thought that you would have gone the other direction that you'd be supportive of this section 230. So I'm really interested to hear what your thoughts are. Um, because so my, yeah, my understanding is if you create content, you are liable or I guess not liable. You're responsible for that content. So you could be, uh, you could get into trouble if you create content that, you know, breaks a law in some way. If you moderate content, then you're not liable. That is my understanding. Is that your understanding as well? Yeah. They, and so what I found is that they, they were able to divide it into three different categories. You got publishers, you have distributors, and you have platforms. And publishers, the the common one, one that people under, understand are newspapers, magazines, broadcast stations. They are considered publishers. They are very hands-on in terms of what is being put out there. They, they, they filter and control their content. Distributors is like a bookstore or a newsstand or a library. They are not responsible for the content, but if someone comes to one of those distributors and says, oh, you have content that is either inappropriate or illegal, and then the expectation is that the distributor would remove it if it doesn't fit with whatever you know, the rules are around the, the holding of that content. And then you have the platforms. And traditionally, that was telephone companies. Uh, or the another one they used was uh, cities uh, on whose sidewalks people might demonstrate. So the city is not responsible for the demonstration, 
um, that is happening on their platform, in this case, the sidewalk, in the same way the uh, the telephone company isn't responsible for what you are saying on their phone lines because um, they're not mm -hmm. listening to the phone. And then, of course, now we have the in the Internet. Many of these companies are uh, claiming the the uh, the position of platform um, so that they're not to be held responsible, uh, although they all have terms of service and certain rules of what they allow, and what they don't allow. That that the if it if it's outside of something that they might otherwise prohibit, they're not responsible for that content. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I agree. I think there's a distinction to be made there. Um, they they aren't uh, legally liable for something that somebody says on their platform, and, but they they probably would try um to offer some tools uh, or even just to control some of it themselves to remove certain content that might be offensive to people because they're just providing a service and if they don't provide a service that people like then people won't want to go and participate in that service so if they have nazis on the platform they may kick them off and create a terms of service where they can kick them off um, even though they might not be legally liable for the things that those people say right and, and that seems perfectly, I mean, all that seems perfectly reasonable to me. It seems, I don't see how else you could do it. I mean, if you look at Facebook, Twitter, any of these platforms, there's so much happening there. It's impossible to try to think that they could moderate all this content and take it down quickly, um, you know, uh, because there's just so much happening. There's so many people that participate on those platforms. So yeah, they shouldn't be held responsible. And, and also, uh, I like the idea of people having the freedom to be able to say what they want. Um, I like the terms of service and and I think that makes sense. However, in the past, I have criticized certain platforms for allowing certain things on because um, I think there's certain things they should do, not because they're legally required to do it, but because it just makes um, either moral or business sense to do something different if that you know, I, I think that's the way they should look at it. Yeah, and and it is. It's interesting. You know, I, I'm I'm fairly certain, like a lot of uh, conversations that you and I have, if we were looking at examples at the extremes, you and I would probably be in in agreement. And as you get closer to the middle, you and I might start to deviate a little bit. That being said, I I do I probably align closer to you than to some of the very vocal liberals that have opinions on this sort of thing. Because I, I feel like we've gotten to the point of wanting uh, you know, a real desire for safe space. And in the process of, of craving this safe space, you know, we don't want anything that we find offensive to show up uh, in, in our media in any place. Um, one of the things I've been noticing in, in some of the, the, the threads that I follow, information that's out there, as, is that there's this expectation among liberals that if someone says something that I find offensive, they should be deplatformed. Um, they shouldn't be given space at all. And, and I, I just, I find it a little disappointing that there's this, the, the, um, the willingness to sacrifice, you know, everyone having, you know, the freedom to speak. Uh, in order to to make me feel a little bit better about my environment. Now, I think one of the reasons, one of the places where this is particularly difficult is where you have the, where, where companies will start to uh, uh, promote certain content to an, towards an individual um, because one of their goals is to keep you on their site. And so if they can keep you engaged and interactive, 
that it's not so much about presenting a fair and balanced piece of information. They want you engaged and, and people tend to get very engaged when they get very angry, very upset. And so they're not always interested in whether something is accurate. They're just interested in, in keeping you on, on the site. And so do they then, does their responsibility shift in terms of uh, what they allow, what they don't allow when they're promoting or, or curating that content? uh yeah curating i don't yeah they're moderating i guess the the the, the verbiage that that i understand is if they're moderating content they're not liable right if they are creating content they are liable and and by the way we're not just talking about social media companies yeah as you kind of alluded to it's everybody um uh yeah i would so you you have some experience with this too, right, Brian? Because you were moderating content at one point. I do. I, I for a while I had a website where um, people could get online and they could post um, anonymous, uh, you know, little little comments or whatever. And it wasn't there. There weren't necessarily threads of conversations. It was more like like a bulletin board with little sticky notes, sticky notes, and people could post whatever it was they wanted to post. And I would. In the terms of service, I had it set up where, um, and I can't remember the exact words, but you know, no, no racism, no, no hate speech, whatever else, no, no. Uh, um, we didn't call it doxing back then, but the equivalent of, of doxing. Um, but any, anything else was fine. And uh, I got into a little bit of an issue where someone, uh, a, a, a university professor was uh, being uh, bad-mouthed around the internet on different sites. And one of the, it was happening on my site. Um, I think he was named, but I think it was only his name. And someone was saying nasty things and he wanted me to take this stuff off and I wouldn't because it wasn't, it was, you know, it fit within the, the terms of service of appropriate content. And uh, he ended up uh, hiring a lawyer to sue me for it. Mm. He lost because of section 230. Yeah, which is why I thought you'd be all on board. And 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 the way you framed it when you said, and there was another word I can't remember that you used, but, um, you know, it, it almost reminds me of the way you see sometimes headlines put into newspapers that you can tell, it seems anyway, that they're taking an opinion. So when you said that they were hiding behind Section 230, what did you mean by that? Like they weren't taking enough responsibility? <clears throat> Well, to answer that question, I'm going to bring up another aspect to it. Are you familiar with the lawsuit that's up before the Supreme Court right now? Uh, Gonzalez versus Google, I think is what it is. Uh, I'm not sure the names, but tell me and maybe I've heard of it. So uh, this year they're, they're hearing two cases about whether social media can be held liable for aiding and abetting acts of international terrorism when their recommender system is promoting content. And so what, what had happened was people were arguing that this is about YouTube in particular, um, that they have like the videos recommended for you. And they're saying that people are being, um, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the phrasing where, where people kind of find their way into some of these uh, fringe groups and terrorist groups. Um, uh, anyway, being cultivated, I guess, for lack of a word, because I can't remember the actual word. Um, did YouTube have any responsibility for pushing this individual that that was involved in one of these attacks in Paris by guiding them down a rabbit hole of some of these conspiracy theories in pushing these videos. And of course, pushing is sort of, a, a you know, it's not really forcing them on them. 
but they're, hey, you like this video? Here's this other video about extreme uh, religious acts that, that maybe would, you would like as well. And so it, it can guide you in that direction if, if, uh, if that's one of the videos that's, you know, maybe up next if you want to go and watch it. Well, you know, yeah, I think that I have some thoughts on that. But like, what do you think the answer would be? Like, I mean, it's not as if you you when you say pushing or, you know, I, I understand and I'm, I'm OK with the word pushing in that case. I think they're kind of pushing it because they're saying, here's the next one. You you seem interested. Why don't you check out this one, too? But that probably all happens. You know, it's not like somebody's pushing a button like, oh, I think I got this guy. I'm going to I think you'll like this other video. And it's a terrible one. You know, it's an algorithm. <laughs> you know, it's. It's uh, it's somebody's written uh, some code and there's no way they could have predicted how it's all going to play out because there are a billion videos that they couldn't have predicted what they would be. It's an algorithm. I mean, this to me, not knowing much about the case and not knowing much about any of this stuff, I would say it just seems like that would be an impossibility to say to YouTube, like you should have caught this because they have an algorithm that leads people down a path for sure. They're trying to entice people. And in the same way that they can't moderate every piece of content or, you know, they can't go and, and try to censor every piece of content that's out there because there's just too many videos. There's too much happening. It's getting uploaded too quickly. There's not enough people in the world. to. Well, there are enough people in the world, but we're all not all working on YouTube to try to help them to stop hate speech and racism and terrorism and everything else. So they just can't manage it. So holding them responsible for something like that seems a little bit ridiculous. The algorithm probably works in the background without anybody seeing what's going on. And once they are aware of it, yeah, they probably have some responsibility. But that's the whole purpose of Section 230 is we've got to protect these people. I guess it's not the whole purpose of Section 230. It seems like one of the main purposes that have evolved over time, you know, even if you had a bulletin where back in the day, if it was really popular, how could you look at every sticky note and try to see what's going on all the time? You know, one thing is when somebody complains, then you have to decide whether to remove it or not. Another thing is getting out in front of everything that's up there and reading it before anybody else reads it. How could you possibly be expected to do that? Well, and that's that's a really good point is that when you had the old bulletin board system, there wasn't necessarily one being promoted by the organization over any other. You, you Maybe you'll do a sort by popularity. What What's the most popular threads than these conversations happening right now? But that's not anybody saying this is that not anybody within the company organization saying we want you to see this one next. It's just what are the ones that are most interactive at the moment? But if I remember re a while back reading an article where they were talking about some of these algorithms that were in place and Facebook and some of the other social media companies, and yet reporters set, kind of exploring what would happen. Not so much, they couldn't get to the background. They couldn't get into Facebook and say, show us how this all works. But they said, okay, let's say, for example, that I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I just had a baby. And I'm a little concerned about whether I should vaccinate my child. So you go and you watch some videos on on, uh, on vaccinations, and then you you know you see it, you're going for maybe some a balanced view, but you end up in some of these anti-vax views. And then as you're looking going through anti-vax view after anti-vax after anti-vax, you know, whether it's a group or a video or a post, then. The algorithm says, hey, you know, other people that have liked watching these anti-vax videos, there's also a few people that have liked watching some of these flat earth videos. Maybe you should go and check out one. <laughs> so it shows up at flat earth over on the side. And then you start looking at the flat earth videos and they, they say, you know, 
you know who's in, you know who else does some of this flat earth stuff or you know who's who's managing the flat earth well that's the governments the governments are trying to keep you in the in the, in the dark about the fact that the earth is actually flat have you heard about the international cabal of, of corporations that are trying to uh you know and so you you end up going down this thread and pretty soon you're reading about the chemtrails that the planes are are uh, spraying over the population to try try and keep us all docile which doesn't seem to be working very well um and but, you but end Ryan, up all, even even the way that you said that I think is overdoing it because you said, well, then they, well, you know, who else is interested in this stuff is this group of people that are, you know, they're not saying that they're saying, Hey, you might also be interested in this video, right? The algorithm is saying you might also be interested in this video. And it becomes, you know, even, you know, I get it. What you, you know, you're trying to find some way to, I don't know, pin something on these guys, but um, it, it just is very difficult because the algorithm is working as much as we want to, um, make it sound like the algorithm is a person, uh, anthropomorphize, make, make that algorithm into a person that's doing this stuff or explaining something in a certain way. It's just an algorithm. And it, it, if you started going down a different path, it, it would probably lead you towards, oh, flat earth people are crazy. Or, you know, depending on what your choices were, it would lead you down a different path. So it's, it's not as if the algorithm is set up to lead people to become uh drones that believe that the government is trying to kill us or something or you know that it's trying to give us misinformation it's just leading down the path that you already were going down if you're liberal it takes you down a liberal path if you're conservative it takes you down a conservative path and so on so i, I don't want i just want to make sure that as we say it we're clear about that fact that it's just an impersonal algorithm that's doing stuff in the background you're right. It, it it is not someone back there saying, "Oh, look where they're going. Let's go and push some of these types of videos on there." It, it is all based on on an algorithm where there's no one actually managing it. The and as has been said by many people many times, the no goal... one actually managing it is overstating it too. There there are people managing it, but it's a it's an nobody nobody making individual decisions about the next video you're going to see. It's an impersonal algorithm, right? Right. And there and, and the purpose of this algorithm is to keep you engaged and keep you involved regardless of what the content is. And so yeah. if that if the content that keeps you engaged and involved takes you in uh, a dangerous direction like maybe motivating or maybe it starts pushing some of these ISIS videos which is what happened with or the reason why they're having this case before the Supreme Court the individual ended up getting uh ended up joining ISIS does does YouTube Hold, bear any responsibility for this individual ending up on ISIS? Should they maybe instead of trying to keep this individual you know, eyes on YouTube, maybe they should have been more focused on, on presenting balanced information, both sides, if you will, to make sure that they're getting all perspectives? Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I will say one thing I'd say to this is your nemesis, Elon Musk, who you seem to be very, he's the only one who's opened his al algorithm up and let everybody see what he's doing. Isn't that is that? Was, yeah, he has. He has right. It's the whole algorithm. He opened up the algorithm to people. Um, from the reviews that I was seeing from people that actually understand what they're looking at, I, what I was seeing, they were, they were saying it does, it, it gives you some of the information, but there, there's, it's no, still not really clear how the whole thing works, how it interacts. Um, but I don't, I don't understand. I mean, he's definitely done more than any other social media company, without a doubt. 
And and so I, I don't want to diminish what he has done. Um, I just heard some people saying it's still not 100% clear what's happening. Yeah, I uh, I think, and what's interesting is when, when you, st- like what you're suggesting is that they start to pick and choose. It's almost as if you, there's some risk that they might be leading people down a, a path. And then you're saying, I want them more involved. I want to put more risk on them. Uh, because the more they start to try to cater and say, well, you know, if, if it's just in personal, like, hey, you like this video? A lot of people like this one, too. I mean, that seems pretty harmless as opposed to we're going to we don't want you to look at certain things because the minute they stop, they they be to try to stop people from looking at certain things. You know, it, it sounds great on its face to say, well, they're going to stop people from going to ice. OK, I mean, that's good. But then. You know, a year ago, people that, that were, you know, that if they try to, to put something in the algorithm that says, well, you can't look, we're going to try to dissuade from looking at anything um, to believe that the the COVID, that, that the COVID came from China or that COVID came from a lab or, and then you start picking sides, you know, it just seems to me that then they get into a, a risk that they're people down the wrong path. So being open seems to make a lot more sense to me than, them trying to choose between uh, what they think is right and what they think is wrong. You just take a step back and uh, just allow people to go where they will. If you end up on a, you know, maybe they could try to find terrorist sites, but the whole, and and try to shut those down, like terrorist video video should be shut down anyway. So let's just shut them down. You know, I think that would be fine, but anything, anything beyond that seems very risky because then you'd be asking, well, why didn't you shut it down sooner? Or why did you let people look at this particular thing and not that particular thing? If it's obvious, yeah, I'm fine with it. Uh, But we're both going to have a really different opinion uh, on what's obvious and other people are going to have an even far way different opinion. Sure. And, and I, from what you said initially, I agree with you. I feel like that they should take they should go completely hands off and, and not just in terms of what they'll do act actively, but also what they'll do passively through their algorithm. I think that there shouldn't be an algorithm. Um, and, and you do. Yeah, I do. That's, um, that's that seems crazy because uh, you'd go to YouTube and then it would be it w- you wouldn't be interested. Like, first of all, the way you presented, I think you presented it at first, too, in a way that was like. You made it seem as if all they were trying to do was get people angry so they'll be more engaged. But I think a lot of what they're trying to do is to get people interested and excited about things. It's not just anger. Like if you watch a funny video, it's they're not trying to make you angry. Cat videos took off because people like to be happy. They like to, you know, see something that's funny on there. Sure. And that's a big, you know, I watch, uh, there's a, uh, uh, some, there's a, a, what do you call it? A, some guy that puts out all these videos, uh, it's called uh, Meme Planet. And a lot of times it'll say clean memes. So we watch it with the kids because then we just laugh and somebody fell over or, you know, some silly thing or they do something funny or scare somebody like it's kind of harmless stuff. Right. But that's, I think, what a lot of people spend time on the Internet doing. And that's probably a big part of what the algorithm is attempting to do. It's not just trying to stir people up and get them against each other. That is part of it. And maybe maybe it's almost an unintended consequences. They're trying to just give people something fun. And then this unintended consequence, because I I mean, I'll agree with you. Social media is dangerous um, and it can make it an echo chamber because you're just 
they keep, oh, you like that? You probably like this too. Oh, you like that? You probably... So there is some risk there, but I think it's it's it shouldn't be legally. We should be talking to each other about how to avoid those dangers and not trying to pass laws uh, because we want people to be censoring content for us. Well, um, and I think to, it's helpful at this point to go back and look at those three categories that I mentioned. You got the publisher, the distributor, and the platform. The publisher being like books and magazines, distributor like a bookstore or a newsstand, platform like a telephone company. And so with the, the platform, those telephone companies, they have no involvement in what you and I are talking about on the telephone. Right? You and I are just talking. That's it. They, they are just the, the, the conduit by which our conversation happens. And I feel like once you start throwing in an algorithm, you're no longer just that that unbiased, unopinionated conduit. You're now closer to a distributor like a bookstore. And that bookstore is now saying, hey, these are the books that we like. These a bookstore doesn't have all the books. A library doesn't have all the books. They just have what you know books that are that they think are popular, that, that books that people will they think people will want to buy. So they just in terms of those books they have, they've already done a bit to decide maybe what you would like. If you're going in to look for a book, all you can choose from are the books that are on the shelves. And then they'll have the recommendations. They'll have some suggestions. These are the books that that are, are you know, are, that Jane likes and the books that, that Frank likes. And, and so now they're doing a little bit of promotion. So I feel like the social media companies with their algorithm, algorithm are closer to the responsibility of a distributor than to that unopinionated, uninfluencing platform. And I had mentioned to you before that I had gotten off of Twitter and that I started using Mastodon, which is another uh, Twitter-like social media company. They don't have an algorithm there. And what's interesting is it's it's a little bit difficult to get used to at first because we're so used to just kind of scrolling through the feed and waiting for more information to be presented to us. On Mastodon, if you don't tell it what you're looking for, you don't see anything. There's nothing there. You have to you have to start following people. You have to start following hashtags. And until you start to decide what sort of content you want to see in your feed, your feed is empty. And if you don't have a lot of content that you want to follow, your feed gets old very quickly. So you have total control. But because we're so accustomed to having it fed to us, it's a little bit difficult to get used to. So you're saying that somebody went to Mastodon that started to look into anti-vax stuff. And then, uh, well, I guess, yeah, because they would never, then they wouldn't be led to the flat earth because they didn't search unless they search for flat earth, I guess. Unless someone that they're following is also a flat earther. And then they, then they might get some of that flat earth content. Yeah, those are differences. And, and I think, you know, the, the public and each individual and, um, the market will decide which, you know, people like better. I think there's certainly, it's certainly a trade off because if you go to, uh, you know, someplace that has a um, an algorithm, then you're gonna get it. You're gonna get. Uh, you'll be given stuff that you're probably interested in, and that can be good. You're gonna see other funny people or other um, people that you know. I don't know. You, you're gonna get presented with information that you're probably going to like, and so I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I haven't tried Mastodon. I might like that as well. I don't know. Um, but I, I guess it doesn't really answer the question is what they should be doing or why that's necessarily a problem. If there's an algorithm that says, hey, we'll try to show you what you'd like, you know, I think that's fine. I mean, Mastodon probably has something that's similar. Like when they say, um, 
hey, you search for something and it's something that you might like, well, they've got to have some way to tag that stuff and figure out, like, is somebody then going through all their different posts and being like, well, this, let's put some, this is somewhat conservative and whatever, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Is it just keywords that they're using to, to, uh, just keywords, hashtags stuff? and people. So you, you can search, you know, if you want to find, you know, do a search for libertarians, um, you can do a search for the, the hashtag libertarians or just the phrase libertarians, and then it'll it'll pop up and it'll show you either individuals that have put that in their profile or individuals that have used that have posted that have used that word or that hashtag. So then you can decide if that's a hashtag you want to follow or if you want to follow that, but those particular individuals. So then they'll start to populate the feed. Well, Brian, I guess I would say this, you know, we can uh, debate whether one of those is better or worse than the others. But what Section 230 says if, is if you create content, then you're liable for anything bad that is created. Right. If you moderate content, then uh, you're not liable. And an algorithm to me is not moderating content, is is moderating content. You're just saying- I don't the moderation, I'm not sure if, and this is the hard part, is that moderation wasn't really a thing when, when that, at least the way that we understand it now, moderation. You were moderating was like, content. What's that? You were moderating content. By my terms of service. You know, that, that, yeah. that was how it, that I laid out exactly how it was. So I was. You just, said, you just said moderation wasn't a thing, but you were moderating content as were other places. But I'm, what I'm what it wasn't it wasn't a thing when Section 230 was created, because I don't think moderation is in the language of the original bill. Um, it's something that now is part of the debate. Oh, yeah. The way I've read it um, uh, is that if you're moderating content, um, let me see where. Well, um yeah justin amash a former uh representative uh said that if new york times and Wal Wa washington post moderate content they're not liable if twitter creates content it's liable so it doesn't matter who you are it matters what you're doing if you're just moderating content which is what you were doing you have these people that can come up and put stuff on your website you're a moderator you allow them to be up there or not to be up there you can remove people according to terms of service that is moderation and you're not if you're just moderating or just hosting, then you're not liable. You're liable when you create content. That's the difference. So in in the, uh, the the definition of a publisher, they were saying that, for example, a newspaper, an online newspaper, they are responsible specifically for the articles that they publish. The publisher is not responsible for the content that comes out in the comment section. Right. Whatever they create, because... What they publish, they are creating, right? Because they're the ones that are, you know, they're edit, they're, uh, they have editors that go through these stories. They're hiring the people. It is their content. They're hiring people to write for their newspaper. They are creating content. That is why they are liable. But when there's a comment in the comment sections, they can't be. It would be unreasonable to ask them to go through the comment section every second of every day to try to make sure that nobody says anything that's inappropriate or that's illegal or anything else so they're not liable for that in fact you know when they've you know when they have started to do this sort of thing and uh there was a i was reading an article where um they there was a carve out in a law that they passed uh where they were uh finding or putting in place new ways to enforce um pedophilia uh, child se or sex abuse and things like that and there was a carve out for section 230 and so a lot of 
different websites, I think it was like Craigslist, they did away with their personal section because they just couldn't moderate. They couldn't go to those uh, personal ads and and uh, be always watching that nothing illegal ever happened on their website. So they had to do away with it completely. It almost removes, it reduces free speech because it forces that some of these uh, uh, internet companies to do away with some of the services that they provide because there's so much risk if we're not going to allow them this protection from Section 230. Right. Yeah. And with the evolution of social media as we have it now, the question is, and the Supreme Court will hopefully bring a little clarity to this, how much responsibility does social media have when they're not as uh, impartial as a phone service was when they just allowed the conversation to happen? They are doing a little bit of, of moderation. They are doing a little bit of, of promotion of certain types of content to try and keep you engaged. And so does that push them beyond the the uh, the, the neutrality of a platform into the the, the, depart, the section of maybe either a distributor or a publisher? And so the Supreme Court will, will give us their opinion on that one soon. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, it'd be interested. So explain that a little further, like a bookstore. Um, because that you're saying they're not liable unless somebody told them about it and then they are liable. What, what are you saying there? They're they're not liable for what's in the books. But if someone comes up to them and says, you have this book that is promoting uh, illegal activity. Um, let's say back, you know, there used to be a thing back when, uh, you know, Hustler magazine was, was sort of on the edge of, of free speech and, and, uh, they would go and get their magazine put into bookstores and then the, you know, the bookstore with the owner would get arrested and then they would go and fight the, the issue as, as a free speech issue, um, as to whether you can or can't, whether, whether the bookstore owner is responsible for that sort of content. Um, and now of course, Hustler isn't illegal. Um, but pornography has always been on that cusp of, you know, the, the, what's being entirely available to everybody or being limited to a certain portion of the population and how you limit it. Does it, you know, can a town outlaw pornography altogether or do you just outlaw it in certain avenues, or certain venues like like a library? Yeah, I, what you're it's almost as if you're proposing that um, they that we have this more stringent requirement for social media companies because they sometimes promote uh, certain videos or certain posts or whatever. And I think that's very, I think that would be problematic because um, it would be impossible for them to keep on top of the way the algorithm works and such different, you know, there's gonna be so many different, um, they're trying to give people what they think people are going to like. And at times people like bad things. So at times it's going to promote things that we disagree with or maybe even are illegal. That to me is one of the main reasons we should have Section 230 is to protect against uh, the fact that they're not going to be able to moderate that perfectly. So either it's almost as if you're saying, well, then we should do away completely with uh, algorithms and promotion. And I, I, I don't see a reason for that. Um, I, I just think that's a little bit of an o of government overreach. I don't see that we need to do that. So you, you, you're in favor of keeping Section 230 and all the, all the protections that it provides? Yep. Okay. Um, I, I, would, I would like to see a two-tier system, and that is that if someone is going to fall under the category of the protections of Section 230, then they're not 
pushing you in the direction of any sort of content with an algorithm beyond what you're maybe searching or investigating for. If you don't want that sort of protection, if you as the, the uh, platform doesn't want that sort of protection, then I, and then they can go, then they'll have a better, stronger business model because they can use that algorithm to keep you engaged and keep you involved. But with the protections of, of section 230, um, I think it's going to be, I would imagine the way I'm describing it anyway, as you know, not as business friendly. And so the different level of business. But is it, so you're saying that you wouldn't have the protections of section 230 if you have an algorithm that promotes certain videos or. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's what the people are arguing that in their case before the Supreme court right now is that the algorithm that was used on YouTube um, negates the protections that section 230 provided. Well, you know, as always, I think we should think about what the unintended or maybe for some people intended consequences of this are, because I think that would make it next to impossible to have people to allow those companies to have algorithms or at least ones that work very well, because there would be so much risk and it would take away um, it would take away the opera. It's almost like we're saying, well, okay, we don't want them. So we'll put, in, we'll put this two tiered system in place, but really we're just not going to allow you to do it because there'd be so much legal risk for those companies that had an algorithm. How could you possibly, there's no way that you could moderate the content and avoid any legal issues because it just eventually creeps into the internet. That's, that's the way that it works. That's it creeps into life. And because they're tr just putting this information out there, there's going to be people that behave illegally and for them to be the police um, with the millions of posts and tweets and um, videos that are coming through there is, is an unreasonable ask. Yeah, it's, and uh, well, we'll, we'll, I think we're at a point where these questions are going to start to, um, you know, they've already been at the service of topics of conversation, but I think with the Supreme court case, it's going to become a little bit even more so. Um, so we'll see how things go. Uh, and on that, well, uh, we're going to move off of the the uh, theme of, of uh, free speech, I think. I don't think we had anything else on this vein and find a new topic of conversation for next week. So think about it and uh, we'll talk soon. OK, sounds good. Right. We hope you learned something in this episode of Brother versus Brother, a podcast about difficult conversations. We also hope that you enjoyed it enough to subscribe to the podcast. You can help us by spreading the word. Share this episode on your favorite social media so that others will have an opportunity to experience it as well. You can also support us by donating through Patreon. This information and more can be found on our website, broconvo.com, and on our various social media accounts. Thank you.